Culture and Psychology with Tabana. Very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.net listeners. This is Dr. Saida Malikafsali speaking. I'm here today with Dr. Daniel Rockers, uh, my friend and my colleague from Tavana organization. Dr. Andrade is not here today with us. Uh, so we're going to uh, talk today about inauguration and what our country is going through. Good morning, Dr. Rockers. Good morning, Dr. Malikov Zali. It is great to be with you on Martin Luther King Day and Wednesday. Well, thank you for saying that because absolutely today is uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's junior celebration. Um, and we know that he was uh, absolutely one of the most um, important person in civil rights movement, um, bringing the uh, American, um, African-American Black uh, individuals uh, equal with everybody else. The equality was the major part of this movement. And I'm glad you mentioned his name so we can actually talk about him a bit, um, especially when our next conversation is about uh, emotional intelligence. I think he was uh, one of the very um, um, effective people in uh, emotional intelligence and the movement he started. I totally agree with you. And I'm curious to hear what you're thinking in what way he had the, let's just talk about it. Absolutely. So, well, we can talk more about uh, emotional intelligence in our next session. But um, when I was uh, actually thinking about emotional intelligence and our conversation for tomorrow, Sunday, I was thinking actually uh, of Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, emotional intelligence is not IQ. It's uh, being able to control your emotion. And what the movement he started it wasn't with anger, it wasn't with fighting, it wasn't with let's get um, weaponized and uh, get into the line and start um, fighting. He was, he really knew how to get into the heart of people with his speech, with um, stimulating the emotions in other people. That's why his movement, I think, was very successful. You know, if you ever, have you read Letter from a Birmingham, what he no, wrote? No, no. It's a multiple pages, probably like composed while he was in Birmingham. And to read it, brilliant writing. I totally agree with you. It's no wonder he, the way he is able to compose his thoughts. And in my opinion, lay those out in such a way that it generally not bump hard. You know what? Here's and you might not like what I'm saying, but I do true. And I respect his style. And then in terms of the rhetoric that he uses, and I say rhetoric, not in a put down way, but rhetoric, rhetorical devices mm -hmm. that he's writing is such a great model. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was uh, him and Gandhi. That's why they're ever forever, um, you know, they're alive in the minds of everybody when they have a good example of someone who peacefully demonstrated and was successful. Uh, so I'm glad you brought his name. Thank you for that. But today, uh, Dr. Rockers, I like to talk about what our country is going through and what's happening Um in the fear, the worry, and even when the government is going through such fear, I think every individual in a way is thinking of um, something um, unusual may happen. So let's talk about that because I think um, in our history, we have um, witnessed uh, the 2000 uh, year, remember that was a big, huge uh, worry. And I remember in San Francisco, most of the stores were closed. They were locked uh, the doors. And uh, actually we went to San Francisco with all the fear, just, uh, you know, just to see what's going on and nothing happened, but the fear was huge. Then um, we witnessed January 6th and now, we are worried about inauguration. Right. My girlfriend and I were bicycling through the Sacramento, and I knew there would be some sort of a protective presence around the Capitol. But I was surprised and struck, let's say, by 
how much was there was out there. Is it L Street or is it Capital? Capital, but also further up. Anyway, on the boulevard, the National Guard was out with machine gun standing guard very striking really was quite a that absolutely it's amazing and what we witnessed on january 6th it's something that in the history of the united states was uh, very um, unusual to happen you know we throughout all these years that i have been here i have never seen anything like this when the president didn't smoothly transfer the power and the inauguration was uh, celebrated by millions of people, but this one is going to be very different. And actually, this morning, before even I get up from bed, I was thinking how the other presidents are going to feel when they're coming for supporting the inauguration. Probably the fear, especially because they can be the target. And I was just thinking, are they going to come with their own airplane? Are they going to come through the airport? Uh, like, what does uh, President Obama do in Washington, D.C., being there? And then um, Nancy Pelosi's house was uh, um, egged and was, um, you know, I mean, the uh, um, threat that Nancy Pelosi received, uh, the letter of threat. I mean, all of that, even though we are not in Washington, D.C., even though we are not that close, but um, we feel the fear. What was the threat that Nancy Pelosi had? Uh, I think it was something along the line that uh, they're going to uh, hostage her, they're going to get her. I mean, it was very serious threat to Nancy Pelosi. Um, so we try not to listen too much to the news, but every time you turn on the news, uh, it's something uh, worrisome, you know, with all the news. And the more they open up what happened in January 6th and more films and more um, clips that they receive, you just see the craziness of what's what was happening. And the conspiracy theory, you know, how could people get into those um, conspiracy, um, you know, lies and and all what we witness it's amazing how could people get into those well what were some of the conspiracy theories that they were like i um, think before i don't watch this oh i'm sorry yeah well the QAnon and the proud proud boys or all those um you know groups that they have created including um uh, you know the uh, right com conservatist um all of that are now becoming a big group uh, to support the um, the conspiracy theory of um, the um, voting was um, not uh, the voting, you know, the voting thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, all of that has created this huge rage of um, anger and uh, the I mean the rage, the anger, the. Uh, believe in that conspiracy, that uh, the result of the um, presidency, the voting was not accurate and it was a stolen, the vote was a stolen from one president to the current president. So this conspiracy has created this whole thing. And I was talking to actually one of the other psychologists the other day um, on Radio Bomb and I was just going through what happened since President Obama became um, elected by as president. Since then, the current president, President Trump, started really bringing him down in many ways. And the first thing he said, Obama wasn't born here. He started with that. And throughout his presidency, he was always talking about something negative about President Obama. And then because uh, as an African-American, the first president of the United States, um, some people had still in mind the racist ideas and they couldn't you know, accept that. So I think this movement of we're making America great, the MAGA people, they're basically thinking of race. And I think the bottom line and underlying issue is mainly the race issue. So that, that's my thinking. I, I don't know about the 
exact detail because they never bring it up and they're not very clear. But what we see is, is the race being the underlying issue. Right. I can't argue with the idea that we want to make America I think that self-based value is, but I don't think we make America great by yeah. in public that we would never recommend that as therapists, affect, communicate, instruct, instruct it. What we're seeing is the result of a lot of name calling, a lot of putting people down. And that's what we saw culminate on January's destruction. Yeah, I agree with you. Making America great is always great to make a country greater than before. But what we have in mind in, and what is underlying um, uh, issues to bring by just, um, you know, framing it as making America great, what do we have in mind? Is it the race? Is it what is going on? So we're going to give a break and come back to continue our conversation. Shanwandegane Azizeh Radio Bamdad. سلام خدمت شما به همراه همکارم دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در خدمتون هستیم و در مورد اتفاقاتی که این روزها میفته صحبت میکنیم ما غالبا سعی میکنیم اتفاقاتی رو که در روز هست راجبش صحبت بکنیم به خاطر اینکه همه مسائل روز به طریقی به کار روانشناسی ارتباط داره به خاطر اینکه ما با افرادی روبرو میشیم که بعض وقتا این وقایع خیلی روشون اثر میذاره به همین دلیل ما دوست داریم راجبشون صحبت بکنیم اگه تازه رادیواتون رو باز کردین صدای ما رو از رادیو بامداد میشنوین ما از شرکت توانا روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه در خدمتون هستیم از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر و در مورد مسائل روانشناسی با دو تن از همکاران من دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی هستیم در خدمتون برمیگردیم و ادامه صحبتمون رو در مورد اتفاقاتی که داره میفته و به زودی پرزیدنت جدید رئیس جمهور جدید بر مسند حکومت میشینه Dr. Daniel Rockers, and we are talking about the current event. Um, we were talking about the conspiracy. Um, what is the difference between com- conspiracy and conspiracy theory? Well, from my understanding, a conspiracy in a group and conduct some sort of activity, larger scale effects without their knowledge. So it's a form of manipulation, some manipulating a group in secret by another conspiracy theory. Is- people coming up with and mapping those ideas to what's happened. And then what uh, probably to um, move the crowd for or with. Um, yeah, so um, why people believe in conspiracy? I, I just wonder, uh, probably from psychology point of view, uh, there is some sort of reason for some of the people to believe in conspiracy. What happens? Yeah, it happens and it happens a lot. You think about it, there's probably a lot of different, the way I think about it is generally you think of conspiracy theories typically involve government or some larger movement and that's a conspiracy that they're doing something, they're doing that to us. If we think in terms of a psychodynamic or psychoanalytic, this, and then we think about how we, when we're growing up, our parents are the all-powerful. And for some people, I think if you haven't resolved, then there are, if we haven't worked our way through those things, like let's say a father figure, then I'm going to tend to have problem authority figure the rest of my life. An authority figure could be, is my father, could also policemen, could be attorneys, could be a sign, a rule, 
could be government, be the authorities at my, it could be my manager at work. All of those fit into authority for their father. And to me, I think a lot of people glom on to see theories because it resonates with an unresolved father. Interesting. So for example, if I have issues with authority, then maybe there's a reason, underlying reason that I had an unresolved issue with my father, or if my mother was actually the authority in the home. If you notice, yeah, if you notice a pattern in yourself where you're, there's a clear pattern, like I seem to have problems with my managers, all my jobs, I hate police, I hate government, and that's a pattern throughout your life, it diddly, then you gotta look and say, what's going on? Here? So probably when you were a child, because you didn't have any power and you had to accept, you were forced to stay in that situation and agree, although you didn't like it or you didn't have a voice to voice your um, main um, ideas. So when you are older and you have the voice, then you start to argue, you start not to accept, you start react towards the authority. Correct. That's how I visual. If you haven't sorted through or worked through in psychological process, that issue, which means coming to, it means acknowledging, you know what, uh, there's always going to, everybody answer somebody, this happened. I don't care who you are. We're seeing if the president of the United States answers to somebody. You always answer to have not resolved the flare up and you're going to do all these things erratic or emotional, irregular or out of. So yeah, that's what. Yeah. And then that also brings another issue of I'm not important. I have to show some sort of reaction to show that I'm important. I'm not deployable. But if in childhood, everything did to me, which I don't even understand and analyze. But right now, the way I'm reacting is because of that. I'm important. I'm not going to let you miss with me. And I guess just the fear of being wiped out, I guess, causes that reaction and that anger. So that is very uh, interesting in terms of psychology when you deal with some of the uh, issues that we see happening. That fear of annihilation is what it could fear, right? Like you. And the other problem with these sorts of things is that a lot of it happens before before we talk. And what that means is these things happen and get embedded in us before we can talk. That means what we call pre-conscious. It's not accessible my conscious. So you could ask me because I don't even I I. It's not available. So things that happen to us before we can speak, we generally do deep in our cycle. So a lot of people who we um, witness what they did um, on January 6th uh, could be one of the reasons could be that. And the other is people um, who believe um, to authority also. Those are the ones that they can blindsided accept whatever comes from whoever they believe in and the authority figure. The opposite is true in opposite end. Like if so-and-so is telling me this, that means it's true. And they blindly accept that. Yeah, there is the other thing I've seen written suggestion that a lot of this, that the following that Trump amassed, something like a personality cult in the sense it's the charisma, personal dynamics that the people become so attracted and then they buy into. It. And that is the beginning, at least of a pretty cult and follow this person really believing in and believing what they say and willing to do whatever it is. And I was reading one of the American Psychological Association uh, article in the um, journal, and it was very interesting about now that you brought this issue of charisma about uh, President Trump and, uh, you know, the followers following him due to the charisma. It was very interesting because it was, I think, uh, 91 of the students in one of the universities were the subject of a research. And in that research, they had uh, the audience had to listen to some clips 
of the candidates for a position in government. And after five minutes, there was a questionnaire that they had to fill out. And then it was very interesting. It was a couple of issues that really uh, got my attention. One was the gender issue and the other one was the emotions. One of the things that uh, they noticed was the men, if they showed emotions to the eyes of the audience by filling out the questionnaire was okay. But if female showed emotions, the candidates for government um, you know, positions, it wasn't okay. And it was some sort of negative in the eyes of those students who were voting for those candidates because for the women, it was the weakness if they showed emotions, but for the men, it was a strength. It was very interesting. And the other thing about charisma was if men candidate towards the um, debate showed anger, they had more charisma to the eyes of um, the voters. They had more vote because they thought they can get through the debate. They can win. Um, it was something positive to them as a candidate for the government job. It was very interesting that even the students in university, you would think, you know, they're more logical, they consider every aspect, but it was very interesting how human mind works and how this gender issue and the emotion issue can um, bring charisma or otherwise, uh, you know, the opposite. Right. You know, the thing too, when we think about emotion versus thinking or feeling, the thing that is easily missed is that feeling nearly always supersedes thinking. Feeling almost always takes precedence of that. And if you think about depression or if you think about anxiety, that's why trying to talk somebody out of it only work. Thoughts, to, you're taking thoughts and trying to deal logic just doesn't. You can think about when you fall in love or you think about that you know, the thinking goes out the when we question ourselves or when we get infatuation ourselves, we wonder about this, and obsessively small thing you conversation. And it may not be logical at all, but that's what drives our mind. And if we look neurobiologically, what we can see or neurologic in the brain or part of the, the thinking part of the brain is the upper the roof of the very interesting because in every occasion the moment something happens emotion comes up but the reasoning and as you said the thinking you have to always you know stop just regulate your emotions first and then bring reason but emotions just automatically come out so when you think of let's say crowds Crowds stimulate um, the emotions immediately. And that's what, what happens. Maybe some of these people who came, you know, to demonstrate, maybe in their mind, they weren't thinking the extent of what happened to happen. But when you are in the crowd and you see some people stimulate those emotions in you, you go by the crowd and you even start being emotional and start being reactive. So it is very, very true. But also I remember when I was reading, there was another study about this reasoning and the emotion that they said, when you are sad, um, so your reasoning actually works better. Oh, that was very interesting. Right. The people who are depressed actually. That's, that's really interesting that you usually don't think about it, but that a study particularly was um, talking about how the reasoning happens um, when, it, when it comes to scores of the students um, and then the SAT scores, the grades that the students get in university, those that are happy uh, usually work with their emotions more. In those um, that are sad, more um, work with their reasoning. That was very interesting to me. But what do you take from that? Like, how are you understanding? Well, my understanding is when you're sad, you know, your emotions um, are down. So, as you said, because that's the center and that takes over, at this point, the thinking takes over right there. So the sadness, you know, brings you down. So there's no 
stimulation of emotions. You're down. So when you're taking the test and you are, um, you know, down, so you start reasoning for your answers. But I mean, that's how I took it. I would. I'm not sure that. I think we have to be careful in that because I would want to know how depressed someone would be, what they're talking about, what do they measure, how depressed. Them. And the reason I bring that up is because of we know in general that when we're depressed, that is a very bad time. That is true, but we're just talking about taking the test. So you have certain questions in front of you and you're taking, I'm just trying to see if I can find exact thing because I read it a while ago so maybe I'm not exactly um, you know right in expressing what okay maybe here is what um, I have heard this though you have yeah I have heard that, that okay depressed people see things more just don't how and what they were how they make. yeah so if I get to it and I can find uh, maybe next time we can talk about that because in my memory it was so, um, you know, interesting that I remember how could a sad person do better in their tests because they bring more and they do better. But um, talking oh, about there, what's happening. Where, where oh, is it, was that test replicated? Is what we're seeing that psychological thought really original? These were the general, I think, um, general uh, study of, I think it was just the emotion. So, we're going to give a break and come back to continue our conversation. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من و همکارم دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در خدمتون هستیم و داریم راجب مسائل روز از جمله اتفاقاتی که روز ششم ژانویه افتاد و آن اینوگوریشن جشن آمدن رئیس جمهور جدید روی کار و اینکه مملکت در چه شرایط سختی قرار گرفته با دفاعی که تمام سربازها دارن از مرکز مهم حکومتی میکنن ما یک بریک کوتاه میدیم برمیگردیم ما روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه از ساعت 12 تا که بعد از ظهر در رادیو بامداد به زبان انگلیسی مسائل روانشناسی رو صحبت میکنیم ضمناً پادکست های ما هم در اپل پادکست و در گوگل هست اگر که شما نام برنامه ما رو به عنوان کالچر اند سایکولوژی سرچ کنین در پادکست میتونین صدای ما رو با برنامه های متعددی که تا حالا ما داشتیم بیش از پنجا و شش هفت سشن ما داشتیم در مورد روانشناسی و میتونین بر اساس تاپیک ها صدای ما رو اگر در همون زمان خودش نشنوین دنبال کنین برمیگردیم در خدمتون هستیم We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and we are following our conversation. And the first two sessions, we were talking about uh, emotional uh, intelligence and also um, Martin Luther King, uh, who was the master of emotional intelligence. And then we talked about um, the emotions, uh, the conspiracy theory and the conspiracy itself and um, why people get into um you know, conspiracy um, theory and they follow the leader and usually conspiracy theory is against the government. Um, Dr. Rockers, we continue our conversation. Let's talk about inauguration. What do you think would happen? I mean, your mind. I might is that there's extreme show of police presence, power presence in all the state capitals like here. And also I suspect Whatever it does happen is not going to be very surprised. They seem to be over-prepared. Uh, yeah, because I think they were under-prepared. 
And, I, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, finger pointing at, um, you know, organizations that didn't do their job as they should have. And I think this time everybody's prepared. But besides that, what do you think is going to happen in general? I know this is a question that maybe you don't ask a psychologist, but I just wonder because it's in my head, what's going to happen next? Do you think these um, mega people or proud boys or QAnon, are they going to stay around and sneaky way to get into stuff? What do you think? Do you think some of them are going to go away? Do you think some of them are going to realize that they were pulled into this and they understand it? Or do you think they stick to what they feel or they, they think? Well, they're not going to go away. I mean, why would they go away? They were here before, have a belief system which hits them, motivates them. There's nothing, nothing has happened so far that was caused to dissolve. So I don't believe that they're just, I don't think that's realistic, expected. There's nothing to suggest that they would. So I don't think that's going to happen. I suspect what will happen. They will keep going in some way. For the most part, they've operated, think, the radar, but... They have a motivation. They have a belief. They also were somehow fueled by what was going on. I think by rhetoric that was interpreted. Whether he meant it or not, I don't know. I his mind, but that I think got interpreted by those groups. Green light ahead. Yeah, and so it seems like a lot of under the radar uh, events will happen. Or again, maybe we are. We, we noticed just like, I, I like what you said. They never were away. They were there, but they were on the radar. Then they showed up. Now they're going to go back on the radar again. And uh, what we always noticed was people don't show their true feelings about something, which is wise, you know, but this race issue it's not going to be resolved in the mind of many people. And you have to have self-awareness. You have to have a wider scope of awareness to realize that we all are human beings. There's no difference between, um, you know, the, the color of the uh, skin. But because of um, years of slavery, because of mindset of many people uh, in generation after generation, they were raised with that mindset. It's very difficult to change it. Yeah, I think that our nation is struggling quite severely with that slavery and what has happened. And unfortunately, don't think for whatever reason, it hasn't been this much, a lot of deeply held sentiments and there's a lot of anger on both sides. And unfortunately, what happens is that a lot of that stuff gets passed on. It's a cultural phenomenon that gets passed on to carrying. No, they are get passed on either side. Yes, absolutely. We we can't close our eyes from the other side as well because that anger and that uh, feeling of unfairness, inequality is always from the other side as well. You know, so. No matter what, the, the thought of, um, and then let's face it, the skin color sometimes works against some people, you know, and we know that the whiteness, meaning the skin color, um, aside from the theory of whiteness, which I don't want to get into it, but there's a privilege that has been going on for generations. And... Um, and I sometimes feel like if an African-American is walking in the street, um, they're more, they create more fear. As we notice even in what happened in January 6, when people walked into the Capitol, uh, even policemen first didn't think of anything because they were all white. But even if you think they were all African-American, Black people walking into the Capitol um, building, the policemen would have acted differently. We don't know, but this is, again, something that we um, sort of think about and, and compare. So the white privilege has been always, you know, um, 
around the world. We know that it's 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 been and it is. So the role of psychologists in this, and and I always want to go back to the role of a psychologist in the society. As much as um, we talked about the general health, the primary focus of a psychologist. I know we usually work privately, we usually work one-on-one or in small group, but in a bigger scope, what is the role of a psychologist when it comes to these issues? It's a good question. It's a good question. And in order to, I step back and I, I myself do not leave when we talk about white, it unfortunately tossed out at put down. And I think a lot of this move towards reconciliation character by accurate and my concern it does not move us to, unfortunately it's close to calling and what we know when people names are accused of and i think that's what's happened with the movement towards and diversity inclusion which i think are very important but i believe that that by by being accusatory and maybe there's a role for it i'm not saying i know how to move all these but to me as a psychologist, individual psychologist, I would, and if a couple came into me for never start by encouraging the accuser or call, that would not ever, never help. It would only, do you see what I'm saying there? Sure. So no, I, I understand. Yes. We need to focus. I think it's more important. And again, I don't have more to focus. And one of those common denominators is this. Everybody has an outgroup. Everybody has, white people have outgroup. White people feel and not white people, because I don't even, there is no unitary white, just like there's no unitary, we can talk about black, we can talk about white, but there is no unitary singular one white person. That's just a stereotype. That's all that is. Instead, we have to break it down in a little bit. And every, every subgroup, whoever you are, has some other people that they feel impinging on them or that they meet or in. So I think there's all of that dynamic. No. LGBTQ movement, as I understand it, began to recognize, started off by straight people down and, but then changed an ally. They started referring to straight people. And I think it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. I don't think that's easy. Yeah, it's a, it's a very hard place to be when you are a country um, made of diverse people because United States, Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all these countries that they are made of minorities and diverse people because that's how the combination of the people in these countries are. They always have issues, but specifically in some countries more than the others. And it goes back to the history. It goes back to so many um, events that has happened in those countries. And, um, and I remember when I was teaching social studies, we always converse with the students in regards um, to so many things that has happened in the history and the mindset. Again, I want to go back to what you said. It's so important if we start from the positive mindset, the growth mindset, rather than the fixed mindset. If my mind is fixed in regard to, okay, I'm white, and I have the privilege, so I can do so many things and um, just feel that superiority, then I start behaving differently, versus the other group that if they think there is no white uh, supremacy, there is no white privilege, and they have that growth mindset regarding that. But then again, um, you can't disregard the reality of the society as well. Um, So there's so many issues that it's not just one way or another. There are so many details of this issue that there's uh, not going to be resolved this quickly. And I sometimes feel like maybe in order to make it work, you had to mix it the way that this comes out You have to make a mess to bring everything up on the surface to be able to fix it. You know what I mean? It's like this was on the radar. Now it's up. So maybe we can have open discussion more. So maybe now if we have a good leader 
who can handle these issues by bringing so many great brains, the great individuals that they can maybe start the conversation openly and bring these people into conversation. Because as much as I remember when I was reading some of the uh, American Psychological Association journal articles regarding the conspiracy theory, regarding um, all these issues that, um, you know, it's always been in the minds of people, um, as an example, um, you know, the differences between the um, cultures, the differences between race. One thing we know that the, all the psychologists and all the studies that we have, um, we have had or studied or read about, they talk about face-to-face -face conversation. They always talk about don't say anything you want to say in the media, bring people together. And as an example was one of the gentlemen who was the candidate for Congress. And when he had a rally, uh, a bunch of opposite uh, side just wanted to come and uh, messed up his rally. He invited them to come to the rally, which was very unusual. And it was the first time he did that. They came in. And they, they sat there and first it started to really um, be loud and make noise and um, create um, a situation to mess up his rally. But then he started talking to them. He started um, conversing with them. He put them into groups and asked people to sit and start talking to each other face to face. And it was very successful. I was reading these articles that many psychologists and many people afterwards, they're referring to this gentleman who was the candidate of Congress. So we know that face-to-face -face conversation, we know, um, you know, bringing our emotions, uh, you know, to a level that we can converse is always more successful. By the way, we are getting to another break and I want to give another break and come back to um, say our last statement about the conversation we had today. back with Dr. Rockers and to our today conversation was all about the current events and what our country is facing regarding what happened in January 6 and also the inauguration. We talked about the race and all these issues that brought us and brought this um, issues that we are facing today, the conspiracy theory, the people that they were involved and all of that it was in our today's conversation. We're gonna end our conversation with each of us say a statement and our last point. That's right. Well, here's what I would say is read my recommended letter from, and it, whether you agree with it or read it and keep in mind that every one of us of many different groups in several of those groups, there have probably been others who looked down on some other group that looked down on. So when you read letter from a Birmingham, they'll read it not in terms of black and white, unless black and white, that part appeals to you in that way. But another way is read it in terms of what would it be like a minority plug in the other group. We all know what it feels like to be looked down on. It's not a good feat. It's not a fun thing. And finally, after reading that is all we're talking about face-to-face -face, individual that's how you know, now that you talked about that, now I remember the letter because I remember even we had a conversation in my class with the students, and that was something that we always bring that up. Uh, you know, sometimes right there when you ask me a question, my mind maybe is not there, but then as time passed and you were talking last again about the letter i remember definitely i've read it many times okay. i didn't know i didn't know what it's called um but uh for me for the last part of our conversation um don't make judgment 
immediately by your emotions. We always talk about regulating the emotions. There's always two sides to the story. And as psychologists, uh, as you mentioned, Daniel, whenever a couple come to converse and to share their claims and their issues, when you listen to both sides of the story, there's always two sides to the story. And it is important to always listen carefully and bring your emotions down to a level that you can listen. Because when your emotions are high, you don't listen well. So we always know listening carefully without judgment, you know, without bringing, because I know whenever we are listening, we are listening to say in response to what we are hearing. But this time, if we listen to understand the other side, it's different. At that point, don't think of responding, just listen. Your response always can come with a pause, with thinking, with being more logical than emotional, even though we know that emotions always say the last word, but still there's a truth to the reasoning as well. So with that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners and we are going to come back with Dr. Rockers tomorrow, Sunday. So with that, have a wonderful um, Saturday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.